Welcome to Listener's Advisory, the San Diego Public Library podcast. The San Diego Union-Tribune's annual event, the Festival of Books, is just around the corner. Today, we'll hang with several SDPL librarians who served as panel moderators for the festival and discuss the nuts and bolts of hosting such an event. So stick around. This should be fun. Are writers, are they plotters? Like, do they plot everything out? Or are they pantsers, meaning they go by the seat of their pants and just kind of <laughs> see where their the writing takes them? Would you describe yourself as one or the other? Uh, first of all, I, I shout out to using this highfalutin writer terminology, the plotter versus the pantser. I love I, that. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Shakespeare was like got up and said, am I a plotter or a pantser? It's like, didn't wear pants. Did they call it? He's a breacher. I don't know what to <laughs> call it in, in that time. Hey, everybody. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you probably realize that I'm more of a pantser than a plotter when it comes to doing segments. But this time around, Bob's trusted me with the long form episode. So I'm trying to plot it out a little better. I want to talk about the Union Tribune's San Diego Festival books. And specifically, I want to talk about the role our SDPL librarians have played in moderating several of the panels at this year's festival. Saturday, August 21st is the fifth annual San Diego Festival Books. This year's event, just like last year's, is 100% virtual, but those of you who have been to a past Festival Books in person know the amazing energy and sense of community you get seeing San Diego's book lovers all in one place. Speaking as an independent bookseller with a library shop, the in-person festival is the bookstore version of the Super Bowl. There is one advantage to going virtual, though, and that's the number and quality of authors the festival's organizers have been able to assemble, including Britt Bennett, John Grisham, and Ziggy Marley. The festival isn't just about bookstores and big-name authors, though. It's about putting a spotlight on the importance of literacy, and libraries play an important role in building up the culture that has made the San Diego Festival books a success. If you've attended in the past, you have no doubt that San Diego is a book town. But once again, as they often do, San Diego public librarians are also playing an unsung role in making this year's festival a success. Four SDPL librarians agreed to moderate author panels, which will be available for viewing through the Festival Books website starting August 21st. I sat down with them over Zoom to hear about the experience in a totally meta attempt to moderate a panel of moderators for a panel about moderating. Hi everyone, my name is Vanessa Gempis. I'm the manager of the Pauline Foster Teen Center at the Central Library. And I had the honor of talking to the inestimable Jerry Craft and Min Lei about middle school graphic novels. And we talked about the joys and the pitfalls of writing for the middle school set. Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Marika Jeffrey. I am a youth services librarian over at the Mission Valley Library. And for my panel, I had a sister and brother duo, Jennifer and Matthew Holm, who have done um, many different graphic novel series together, as well as Mary Rose Wood, who wrote a really wonderful, very classic sounding animal fantasy called Alice's Farm. Hi, I'm Christina Wainwright, the manager at the Pacific Beach Library. And I think that there is always more room for love and happiness in our lives. So I was really excited to get to moderate the panel about romance. 
I was able to speak with Jasmine Guillory and Alicia Rye about their latest books. So we talked about series fiction, about there's these specific novels, but also a little bit about diversity and how it figures into the romance industry. So it was a really fun talk. And finally, Trevor Jones, manager of the College Rolando branch. My panel was the crime, mystery, and true crime. So it covered fiction and nonfiction. So that was with Caitlin Rother, uh, Death on Ocean Boulevard. And that was the true crime title. And then I discussed Last Redemption, a Rick Cahill novel with Matt Coyle. So one obstacle I'm facing is that I've never moderated a panel before. I've worked (laughs) a lot of events. I've introduced a lot of moderators. I'm always the guy that gets to introduce the moderator, which is a zero pressure job. No one cares what you're going to say. You can say whatever you want. They'll forget in 30 seconds. And it seems to me the moderating job is much worse than the intro of the moderator because the moderator, the audience still doesn't care what you're going to say, right? But you can potentially ruin the experience for the audience by being a bad moderator. And one of my pet peeves about moderators is they make it about themselves, which I just did in this intro. Do you have any moderating pet peeves that you sort of keep in the back of your minds? Um, Some of the things that I try to make sure that I avoid is making it about me. This isn't Jade or anything like that. I get really nervous all the time whenever I moderate a panel. Um, And I have to remind myself, this isn't about you. This isn't about you. This isn't about you. Um, And I also try to make sure that the author is having at least a somewhat good time because it's always really awkward when you're watching a panel and the moderator asks a question and it's very uncomfortable for everyone. And so, yeah, just like to keep that as pleasant as possible. Christina, you were uh, about to jump in when, as a moderator, I threw it to Vanessa for some reason, rather than just letting the conversation be organic. Did you have anything to... I wasn't... uh, No, but it actually does make me think one of the things that I'm concerned about when I was moderating is that because I was working with a couple different authors, I don't know, I wasn't really sure like how to do the whole thing of like following up very much because you want to follow up and find out what, you know, to get more information about what they're talking about, um, show you're engaged and also just, you know, continue the conversation. But at the same time, when you're dealing with multiple people, you want to give the other person a chance to speak too. And so I kind of have that push pull between like, we should continue this, you know, what you're talking about and like, nope, on to the next person because you want to go and balance and you want to give everyone an opportunity to talk. And so that's, I think, a little tricky. And I think I always end up leaving these things going like, oh, could have done that part better. But you try, you give everyone a chance. Marika, in the interest of equal time, what do you? I listened to a lot of Terry Gross before I end up reading because I want to see how she tries to handle these conversations and she actually makes it seem very much like a conversation which was what I what I strive for but it's really hard because it's not a conversation it's it's more like let me ask you a question and then you wait for the answer and then try your hardest to try to make that flow to whatever next question you want to ask but so, so sometimes it just in my mind, seems a little disjointed or choppy because I I like have certain things that I would like to ask, but I want to make it sound like a conversation, but I've got an agenda at the same time. So. And Trevor, what is the golden rule of uh, Trevor Jones moderation? You know, for me, like, especially, I mean, if we're talking about book panels, conferences, things that deal with like literature, I've been, I've been to panels and, and things before 
where 100% you can tell the moderator didn't do the reading. For me, it was really important to, to finish both books and to have targeted, pointed, meaningful questions. But it's like the difference between being a publicist and a journalist. Are you just like going to repeat the PR stuff for them? And that's great. And maybe that's what's appropriate according to the event. Or do you want to be someone who's at least taking the time out that's examined the material and is asking text-based questions that the audience can find engaging too? Otherwise, it just becomes this very plain, boring. It's almost the opposite of a moderator putting too much of their personality into it. Well, there's some who don't put any. And that's just, that's, that's not, you know, there's a balance. Vanessa, I know that you have done moderating for the library shop at some big events in person at the Neil Morgan Auditorium. So you have felt the audience of super fans sort of staring daggers at you as you talk. So what is the balance between making sure the author has a good time and making sure the audience has a good time? I tend to feel that if the author is having a good time, the audience will follow. A lot of people who are there at author panels want to enjoy themselves with the author. So as long as they're comfortable, it tends to be one of those, oh, they like it, so I like it um, kind of deals. Um, Because I know when I go to watch a panel or anything like that, um, if the author is laughing, having a good time, then it makes me feel better as an audience member. And you tend to get a lot more real responses when they're having a good time as well. So that's always fun. It's really been strange to adjust to doing it over Zoom, just because there you don't have that feedback or it's it's a kind of muted feedback. You have a wall or a computer screen between you and the people that you're talking to. So it's really hard to gauge like the body language and the responses. Christina, you uh, you mentioned regrets after you after you moderate a panel, you're instantly consumed with uh, questions you felt you wish you'd ask and all that. You know, you kind of second guess and you just worry that you didn't give the authors a chance to shine because I actually really like both of their books. I've read them before. I have a lot of respect for them as authors and I wanted it to be a good experience for them, but also for the other readers, both who love their work already, like you're talking to super fans, and maybe the people who don't give, you know, haven't given these authors a chance yet, and I want them to. And so it's just like, you want it to be so good because you want these books to, to be appreciated and these authors for what they do as much as you love them. And so, um, yeah, that was just afterwards. I was like, oh, I think that would have been a better question. Oh, I think that was terrible. And oh, maybe if I'd phrased it a little differently or just, you know, you always want it to be better. And it's sort of the good thing about this is that, you know, it's done, we're done early, but the bad thing is between when we record it and when this is going to go live at the end of August, we've got about two months of every once in a while going, wait a second, is that okay? <laughs> yeah. And like, oh my God, what did I ask? And I hope that wasn't too completely dumb. And I hope it's not going to be terrible. And so I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing it too, because I want to see if I help these authors shine as much as I hope I did. But also I hope I, you know, I'm just like, a little bit dreading like oh no i who knows what was said in that thing <laughs> that is i mean sort of the charm of the in-person not recorded live is we all forget the next day what yes. happened right we all move on speaking of moving on so prep work you guys read you try to read the books i know sometimes that's going to be impossible if you have four person panel and they all wrote 10 books but what other prep work other than looking at the books do you sort of come up with you write out questions and have notes do you what's your pro trevor what do you what is your process well with these um i did read them 
I read them very fast because I had limited time, but between the time I received the copies and, and the filming, took some notes, searched online for different things and, and read other people's thoughts. And actually what I did, I, what I did not do with Chuck Klosterman in 2020, I wrote out my questions and just kind of hedging, I sent them to both authors because I had their emails. And I, just, I was just sort of like, how do you guys feel about this as, as a structure to riff off of? And they both kind of replied back with thumbs up. And that was good enough for me. And, and thankfully, that, that turned out well. Marika, what was your uh, pregame ritual prep? Um, pretty similar to uh, Trevor's in terms of, uh, yeah, I got the books pretty, um, well, one of the books I got um, pretty last minute, but it's a hybrid graphic novel uh, slash novel. So it didn't really take very long to read, but, you know, just making sure you you know the stuff that we're physically talking about that that day. And also I was somewhat familiar with um, Jennifer and Matthew Holmes stuff from before. I also went on a website to make sure that I pronounced everybody's name correctly. Oh, that's a good tip for moderators right there. I always freak out that I'm going to say the wrong, pronounce the wrong name or say something really, really stupid like, Jennifer and Matthew Holm and, and uh, the couple, Jennifer and Matthew Holm, but they're actually, you know, sister and brother. So like, I, I was like, let me make sure I know all everyone's background, you know, who they are. And so that I'm coming from some place of, of knowledge. But yeah, then I, I wrote out all my questions, had it in like 16 point font on pages all around my computer screen, just out of view. And like, trying very subtly to turn my head so that it doesn't look like I'm reading, you know, from a piece of paper. And like I said, trying to make it sound like sort of this natural discussion, but sort of bouncing around, looking at all my questions and thinking what question sort of connects to the, the conversation that we're having at this moment. So I tend to do the same thing as Marika and Trevor. And I try to send the questions out at least a day or two ahead of time to the publicists or the organizers if I don't have the author's contact information. Um, I like to make sure that I have at least two or three questions per individual author. And then I, this may be a little extra, but I um, draft out a few transition phrases um, that are generic enough that I'm like, oh, and speaking of blah, blah, blah. Like, here's, like, I have a question for, for Min. I also do try to make sure that I am pronouncing their names correctly. I actually had to stop and restart because I was like, oh, no, I said his name wrong. Can we start again in the first minute? And they were very pleasant, very polite. And they're like, yes, no problem. So, yeah. That's, that's the benefit a, of virtual, right? Yes, that's the benefit of virtual. And then one other thing that I do is I tend to read some other interviews that they've done. And I'll, if it's appropriate, I'll bring in pieces of like quotes. I'm like, oh, so in a previous interview, you said X, Y, Z. Can you elaborate on that? Or like, how has that changed since you were first published or something along those lines to show oh, that, hey, see, I, I would read your stuff. I would read the old interviews and then ask the exact same question to see if they would answer differently. And then I'd call them out on it afterward. Would that be a good moderating tactic? Only if you do it in the panel. So they're super defensive and it gets right. really awkward. Oh, it would be everybody. live. Yeah, it'd be live in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> Christina, imagine I've written in a transition statement to pivot over to you. What's, what's your answer to all this? 
I, I do a lot of the similar research what they've already talked about. I, you know, I read the books, I read some past interviews. So funnily enough, as you were, I actually did the thing where like one of the interviews that I read with Alicia Rai, she talked about this thing that the interviewer had asked her. And I thought it was, it was really interesting. I thought it was a really interesting um, answer that she had, like this point of view. And so I was like, oh yeah, can you, like I saw this thing like where you talked about this. It was, I thought it was just fascinating. Like, can you tell us a bit more about it? And I was excited for her to elaborate. And she was like, well, actually I didn't say that. The other person oh. phrased that and I responded to it. And I was like, oh yeah, she did. And I was like, I'm so sorry. But then she was really cool about it. She kept, she explained, but I was like, I was just like, I got smacked down. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it was, I thought it was kind of funny. It's like that whole thing of sometimes reading the past interview and trying to get them to elaborate a little further. It can work and it cannot. <laughs> you almost did too much research for your own good, right? You sort of got Possibly. yourself into it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, now would be the time we'd open up our panel to uh, audience questions. Since this is a podcast, we don't have an audience. Do you guys have any questions uh, for us that you wish that we'd all answered during this segment? Anyone? We can cut it out if it's not like good, right? Which part? This part or the whole thing? Uh, if I ask a question. Oh, and it yeah, does not yeah, sure. A, okay. Sure. I'm sure I'll <laughs> cut it out. Go ahead. Cool. cool. My question is, how do you guys usually balance things when you've read all the books for a panel and there's one author's books that you just did not like? <laughs> Don't name. We're not naming names. We're not naming names. Not naming names. I'm just curious. Trevor, you have your hand up. Well, I have a response to it. It's not a real answer, though. At, at the risk of controversy, I would say I don't feel like we have a book culture in America that meaningfully knows what to do with critique. Critique is interpreted as negativity in the U.S., and so we don't have people who can make incisive commentary on books. Instead, we have uh, a lot of rhetoric that is just everything's great, and we're just um... celebrating everything. No one can ever say anything critical because we're not as literate of a culture as say uh, Europe or even parts of Asia. Um, so until that day, I dream where we can have more uh, exciting rhetorical battles between authors and critics. But for now, I, I do feel like in the US, we need to just promote people to read, period. That's interesting. So it's like every panel has to be uplifting and, and a positive PR experience, really. Nothing can be. Otherwise, it's just, well, why would we show? Everything's monetized. So why would why would you go to a panel where the critic is going to tear you apart? The career of the author is on the line, too. And if you go to a panel and you are torn apart publicly, what, what effect does that have on your ability to continue to publish and earn? So... Right. Like, what was it? It happened on the internet. Jordan Peterson debated Slavoj Žižek, and Slavoj oh, yeah. Žižek basically just tore him to pieces, and Jordan Peterson went into hiding for 12 months or something. Because <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily want to tear a panelist's work apart, even if I didn't like it. But There's a certain yeah, element they're... of you've invited this person over to your house, mm -hmm. basically, right? So you have to be a good host at some point, right? Yeah. Unless you're but Trevor just... and you just want to take shots at people. Well, have you ever watched old uh, Gore Vidal things? Yeah, or yeah. And um, the Village Voice back in the 60s. Or Christopher Hitchens even. I don't think that exists anymore in the U.S. Yeah, that level of dialogue where it's safe to we, we be confrontational. We're actually sword fighting. I feel like this is a point where we should all disagree vigorously with Trevor just to see if that holds. Christina, what were you going to say? <laughs> It's not that I disagree, 
but I think it, it's really a matter of, of time and place. I mean, I think that there is still a place for criticism of literature and it's usually, in, I would say in print format or in something where you don't have the author standing right in front of you where they've come out to promote their book. And I think that if I had like such a panel like Vanessa was saying, like, I mean, again, I liked all my books. I liked all my panelists, but I really did. <laughs> But if there was something, you know, something that you liked a little less, I think that it's, it behooves me to try to find out what are the things that I do like about it? What are the things that I can share that I think are good about it? And I think that's where I need to put in my work, perhaps, if it's not as obvious to me immediately what is good about this book, then that's where I need to put in the work to, to again, to help that book shine, to help that find its audience. I might not be the audience for that book. That doesn't mean it's not a book that other people won't love. And so I, that, that's where I think I need to put in the work is to, to help it find its home. Check out our Librarians in Action at the 5th Annual San Diego Festival of Books, Saturday, August 21st, by visiting the San Diego Union Tribune's website. And thanks to the Union Tribune for letting us use a clip from one of the panels in this segment. That's going to do it for today's episode. I'd like to thank our guests, Vanessa Gempis, Christina Wainwright, Marika Jeffrey, and Trevor Jones. As per usual, thanks to Pete Meisner and Luke Henshaw for contributing original music, and an extra special thanks to programming and special events admin aid to Sherwood Hartwell. Not only is Sherwood ever knowledgeable about all things tech, he's consistently made Central's recording space available to me. For links to Festival of Books programming, please see our show notes or visit us at www.sandiego.gov forward slash SDPL podcast. Before we go, I have a request. We're trying to build our audience and nothing helps more than listener ratings, reviews, and recommendations. If you have a few moments, let us know how we're doing via the rating and review system in your favorite podcast app. Also, consider sharing our podcast on your social media. Thanks in advance.